When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sitting friends in the morning with CNBC's Ron and Santa. So, again, the big story is this debt ceiling deadline. Janet Yellen using these two words, extraordinary measures, if, in fact, it is not done by tomorrow. Listen, Ron, it's a very, very complex thing that you do, and most people have no idea what it really means. So for the average guy on the street, the nine-to-five guy right now pounding the pavement, what does this whole thing mean tomorrow? Well, it doesn't mean anything specifically tomorrow. We're not going to default on our debt tomorrow. The, the, the Treasury can stretch out and prioritize payments that will take us all the way to June before we truly run the risk of breaching the debt limit, which is a law that caps the amount of debt the U.S. can carry. Which well, is let me stop right there. But if, in fact, yeah. even come June we breach that, what is the yeah. worst thing that can happen? We're saying, well, uh, the financial markets could go into a tailspin. You, you would see um, investors lose faith in the full faith and credit of the U.S. government, which backs U.S. treasuries, which are our borrowings from investors and from foreign entities. So if we default on our debt, the value of our debt would plunge, presumably. That would set interest rates higher and the dollar substantially lower and could throw financial markets into a tailspin and ultimately lead to a recession or worse. And there's the contagion risk because there are other heavily indebted nations that would then become suspect. We have the most highly prized sovereign debt or you know country debt in the world. If we default on our obligations, it becomes an enormous problem. We've never done it. We came close in 2011. Financial markets responded negatively. S&P downgraded the quality of U.S. debt. Didn't really have much of an impact. But if we were to default, and this is a very, very silly game that's being played. It was played in 2011. Debt ceiling was raised without incident three times during the Trump administration. All you're doing when you raise the debt ceiling is allow for us to pay the bills that we've already incurred. This has absolutely nothing to do with new spending. All right. So, but the spending, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is your game. It ain't mine. Spending and inflation, they go hand in hand. Not always. And, and, and this is this is a look, this this is a convenient argument when one side wants to use it as, as a wedge. It's not always true. I mean, throughout the 1990s, we had deficits and inflation came down in the 2000s. We did not have inflation and, and spending went up. There was an unusual confluence of events that occurred during the pandemic. Number one, the Fed taking interest rates back to zero, the, uh, the federal government spending additional trillions of dollars in pandemic relief. And then as the economy recovered rather quickly from the recession that occurred during the pandemic, some of that excess spending fueled inflation. But 40% of the inflation that we saw, Sid, over the course of the last couple of years, the Federal Reserve has acknowledged, came from all the supply chain disruptions that occurred during the pandemic, some from excess stimulus. So it's even still, all of that is divorced from this debt limit argument. Neither They're just not connected in any way, shape, or form. Gotcha. And uh, last I saw, inflation is down now to about 6.5%, much better than close to 9%. So that's a pretty good indicator, I guess, that we are on our way back. I mean, I keep hearing recession, but if the inflation is going down, 
why would we be looking at a gloomy couple of months? Well, inflation is coming down because the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates as quickly as any time in modern history. And with the risk and the understanding that on the other side of that rate hike cycle, we'll see another one at the end of this month, probably a quarter point, maybe even two more, that if the recession comes, it also drives down inflation further. Now, my personal view, inflation peaked in June. It continues to come down. Uh, Supply chain problems have been uh, all taken care of. We're kind of back to normal in that regard. And then some of the you know th- other disruptions that we've seen, people are complaining about egg prices. That's a result of bird flu and and the chicken her chicken uh, population in the United States being culled by by tens of millions of chickens. So egg prices are up because of a shortage. Inflation's coming down. We could still though face a recession in which inflation will fall further. So there's a very high probability that sometime later in the year we're going to slip into some kind of re- recession. And again. A breach of the debt limit would exacerbate that problem. And it, this is not a game of chicken, pardon that analogy, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to be played. It's yeah. really just yeah. this is a really slow thing. And whoever plays this game usually loses politically at the end of the day. Well, I know we're going to get a, a big battle here between the new House Republicans and uh, the folks that are there now in terms of this battle. But well, what can we do, Ron and Santa, to ensure that we don't uh, in fact, uh, have this issue come June? Well, I, look, I mean, those who think that they can use this as a wedge to drive down, let's say, Social Security or Medicare spending are out of their minds. And they're, they're not linked in any way, shape or form. Those are mandatory programs. They are funded by Americans who pay into the system. Defense spending, you can argue over during the budgeting process. But again, the debt ceiling is only lifted so that we can pay the bills that we've already incurred. This is to pay for borrowing that's already taken place. If they want to rationalize the budget going forward, they need to do that through the normal process. This is this is just not a lever that can be pulled without having very, very serious consequences. So the next six months, and I think people are crazy enough to play this game this time around. We're in 2011. We, we went to the brink. We had problems. We had a negative financial market reaction, but we ultimately got around it. The debt ceiling was raised three times during the Trump administration, even before pandemic spending occurred, $4.7 trillion was added to the national debt without anybody blinking about the debt ceiling. And, and that's really kind of been the case for a long time. This is just not – there's never a time or place to have this argument. They should just get rid of the debt ceiling altogether because unless we have a rational budgeting process, it makes no difference what the debt ceiling is. You have to reduce spending if you want to control the deficits. You have to bring uh, you know, other government functions in line with maybe more rational uh, policies. But, but triggering a default – is is not going to solve that issue and, again, will create much more chaos than I think some of these folks realize. All right. So once again, coming from a very layman's point of view here, I heard Joe Biden say two days ago the economy is good. It's on the rebound. It's good. Yeah. And then the last two days, both Larry Kudlow and Ron Insana have told me that uh, expect interest rates to continue to go up and a recession is in all likelihood going to happen. My question is, how could it be both? Well, so you're talking about when, right? I mean, right now, the economy is actually growing probably close to 4%. But all the indicators that we look at going forward, and we're hearing this from big banks, they're taking extra, putting, setting aside extra money for consumer delinquencies and defaults on credit cards. The real estate market is in a very deep recession already. Affordability is still extraordinarily low. It's, it's impossible to buy a house right now without consuming more of your income. 
than at almost any other time in history. And we're starting to see a slowdown in auto sales. We're starting to see a slowdown in global economic growth as well. And this is largely on the Fed. They're, they're raising rates to beat back inflation, which is already falling. And my guess, and I assume Larry's guess as well, is the Fed's going to go too far and tip us into recession. Some of the indicators that I look at and, and some of the economists that I follow believe there's as much as a 93% chance of recession by sometime in the middle mm-hmm. of this year. And look, we think it, we think it's going to be mild. We think it may be moderate, but you never know. If they screw around with the debt ceiling and cause a default, it'll be more than mild and moderate. And on the way out, 60 seconds, Ron, would you recommend to folks out there to play the market? Or would you say stay away? Oh, you know, look, you don't stay away. I mean, that's just, you know, that's in many ways, that's just a fool's errand. I mean, if you're, again, we're looking at retirement ages for young people at around 70. They have dozens of, you know, and scores of years to put money away. You you put the same amount of money into the market every month. You buy very simple things like the S&P 500 ETF, the so-called Spider, or the triple Qs that represent the NASDAQ, and you just have a disciplined savings program. If you're near retirement, obviously you want to reduce your exposure to riskier assets. But, you know, over time, you don't lose money by socking it away in the market. It's it, it's a question of time, not really a question of timing. As always, Ron and Santa, there's nobody better. Whether we're talking about the Buffalo Bills or the that, actually, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. No, you're great because you really do explain it in a way where even idiots like me understand what you're talking about. So thank you for that. And that's the way I think about when I when, you know when I try to explain this stuff. Is idiots like you? So you know. Ron and Sana, I love you, buddy. Great job. Thank you so much. What a super job. There he is. That's my guy right there, folks. That's my guy right there. CNBC's Ron and Sana. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law. Personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident.